We've spent a lot of time talking about Chandler Morris uh, in this offense, right? The wide receivers, some of the skill guys that can make this thing go. But today I want to talk about how Imani Bailey in this offensive line eventually might become the focal point of this offense. We'll do that next here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. I want to get to 1,000 YouTube subscribers soon, so please subscribe. We're at 915 right now. Uh, Frogs win. Happy Monday. They beat Houston 36-13. to Had a live post-game show after that game if you want to check that out, if you didn't get to see it. Uh, but today we're talking a little bit more about that football game. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Um, a lot of good things in that game. I talked about how I, I thought Chandler Morris played well. Um and things that you can measure, right? Like he was just efficient and did a good job throwing the football around, uh, but also some intangible things. I just thought he showed a lot of toughness on Saturday. He took a lot of hits. Houston, Doug Belk, that Houston defense coordinator, was bringing the heat. I mean, in the pass game and the run game, he was bringing extra rushers. Would, would have liked to have seen the offensive line pick that up a little bit better, but in a lot of cases it just seemed to be the math didn't add up for the Frogs. And so – the way they had to beat it was by getting the ball out quickly or, or lofting it down the field and hoping that, you know, their guys could come up with plays in one-on-one situations, and they're able to do that at times. But Chandler did a really good job using his legs um, to get some first downs. I thought he just showed some some toughness, getting hit, getting up, getting after it still. Uh, and he's got good pocket presence. Like, he, had to, he seemed to have a really good feel for the rush in that football game, where it was coming from, you know, where his outlets were, where he needed to spin out and – move up in the pocket and make plays. And so that was all really encouraging. Um, another thing about that game that struck me, the more I kind of watched it and, and looked at the final stat line, you know, Mommy Bailey was was really good. Um, and he had a great game against Colorado for the season now. 56 carries, 357 yards, uh, 6.4 yards per carry. On Saturday, 23 carries, 126 yards, five and a half yards per carry, and a touchdown, which was his first touchdown of the season. Not a huge night from an explosiveness standpoint. I mean, his longest run of the day was 16 yards. Um, but, you know, when he touched the ball, positive things were happening. And Sonny talked about that after the game. He was like, he just got a knack for getting positive yards. It's not always going to be, you know, he has that home run ability where he can break one and, and take it you know, 74 yards like against Colorado. Um, but he just – he has a feel for, okay, where do I need to get to the line of scrimmage and at least get some positive yards here and not get tackled for a three- or four-yard loss, which sounds like a small thing, but it's a pretty big deal. Like, you know, if you can make something out of nothing, that's a big deal for a running back. And it's it's something that I wouldn't have um, thought Imani did really well before the season because last year we really just saw him – you know, have that that burst and that explosiveness, and he does have that, but I think he's done a good job of kind of picking his way down the line of scrimmage and making things happen between the tackles. Um, the more I look at this offense, though, you know, it it's – every week I feel like I, I say to myself, man, I wish they would run the ball more. But you actually look at what they're doing. I mean, in the Houston game, <clears throat> they kept the ball on the ground 51 times, had 37 pass attempts. Now, that skewed a little bit because Chandler had some times where he would scramble, so it was a designed pass, but he was taken off. 
But still, the balance there is pretty good. You know, in, against Colorado, um, Amani had a huge night. Let me get his game log up here. Uh, he only had 14 carries but had 164 yards and 11.7 yards per carry. I wish they would have run the ball more in that game, but more so in like a situational way. There were just certain down and distances where I would have liked to have seen them keep the ball on the ground more. Um, but overall, like Kendall Bryles obviously has a commitment to run the ball. They tried to do that against Nickel State. They weren't very effective. The more I think about that Nickel State game and the further we get away from it, I just feel like there's really nothing that we can – there's not much we can take from it, right? It was what it was. They played an opponent they should have beaten. They beat them. I know people – there were people that were like, man, I wish that game would have been cleaner and they would have won that more handily. Bottom line is they won 41-6 to and, you know, they didn't have to show a lot on tape. They didn't have to get a lot out of the bag as far as creativity goes on either side of the ball to get it done. Um, but I think this team is going to function at its best with Amani running behind this offensive line. Now, they have weapons on the outside. I still don't really feel like, and obviously you disagree with anything said on the show, you can comment here on YouTube. You can tweet at me, at Simcox Stevens, the show is at Locked on TCU. I still really don't feel like this group has a number one wide receiver. You know, Savion Williams showed some flashes in that Houston game, which was great to see. Had a long touchdown pass. I think Warren Thompson's solid. I think J.P. Richardson's solid. And J.P. Richardson's probably going to be the guy <clears throat> that ends up leading the team in yards and catches, if I had to guess right now, because he's really good at getting open, um, especially over the middle, you know, from that slot position. And I think Chandler Morris trusts him. But you don't have that guy quite yet that you just feel like can take over the game. I, I think Jared Wiley and Jack Besh are really good players. I'd like to see them get more involved. Uh, but aside from the Colorado game, Jared really hasn't been – a huge part of the passing attack yet. They're targeting him. It just hasn't hasn't worked out where he's been able to come down with the ball all the time. Um, but all that being said, like you got a quarterback who spreads it around, is doing a nice job. You have a, a receiving core that still feels like they're kind of coming into their own. Uh, a defense that is improving and has done really, really well over the last two weeks. I mean, for all the hand-wringing about the defense in week one, I get the competition they faced the last two weeks. But they didn't allow a touchdown in eight quarters, right? And so that's that's super impressive. We'll see what they do uh, against SMU. That's a really impressive effort, though. Um, but, man, this big offensive line, their ability to get downhill, and it wasn't always pretty against Houston. You know, they're bringing a lot of defenders. But, man, when, when TCU was able to get through that first wave of the line of scrimmage, there was hate to be made. Um, and I just feel like running the ball is going to settle this team down and make a lot of aspects of it better. And Imani Bailey – you know, I, I was – I guess I was wrong about this. I, I really thought, like, as the offseason was unfolding, there was a time where I felt like Trey Sanders might be the lead back. And Trey was better against Houston um, than he was against Colorado. He had two touchdowns against Colorado. But I thought he looked he looked better. Um, he looked more agile. Just looked like he was in a better place, you know, coming off the ball and making plays. Uh, but it's pretty clear that Monty Bailey's your lead back. And he's a special player. Um, I think he, you know, he's got all the abilities. He can take it to the house when he touches the ball. Uh, he's, he's shown a good knack for being able to kind of get yardage and discover yardage and make plays, keep the pile moving, get positive yardage on every carry. Uh, and he also has just been um, someone who has been kind of a workhorse for this team. You know, would have loved to have seen him on that last drive against Colorado. Maybe that's a different game. Um, if he's on the field, 
Uh, and they're getting a lot of different guys' touches in the run game. I mean, you look at the the stat sheet, um, like Chandler Morris had some carries, Trace Sanders, Trent Battle had one carry, JoJo Earl, Corey Wren, Savy Hunt Williams, Cam Cook uh, had a carry late in that game, and then Jack Besh had a, a very – he had two runs. One was a positive yards play, and then one that was uh, unfortunately didn't really work at all. But um, they're going to be creative in the run game, but I think they're at their best when they're running downhill – and Imani Bailey is the guy going behind that offensive line. Uh, one thing, too, about the O-line that I thought was just really interesting on Saturday night, Andrew Coker uh, got banged up at, at one point. Um, I think Brandon Coleman got banged up late in that game, too. It, it seems like everything's okay with him. I think they're going to be fine moving forward. But there were uh, short periods in that game where they weren't um, where they were on the field. And the first guy off the bench, and I said this uh, during fall camp, <clears throat> I was like, you know, you don't always need to get super caught up in what, like your your first offensive line and your second offensive line. It means something. But ultimately, you're looking for your best five guys. And then if somebody gets injured or somebody needs a break, there's going to be some position flex. So it's, it's kind of like, okay, who's the guy you trust the most, whether it's at guard or tackle? Uh, and you're probably going to put that guy in a position, or maybe you'll kick somebody outside and slide them inside. But anyway, the first guy off the bench when Andrew Coker got banged up Saturday, it wasn't um, it wasn't Garrett Hayes, it wasn't Colton Deary, it was Ben Taylor Whitfield, a true freshman from Duncanville. Um, and it's pretty rare to see true freshmen on the O line and D line. Like Dominic Williams did it last year. He did a really good job. Uh, but Whitfield came in there and, you know, from all accounts, he did a nice job. Like O-line didn't just completely fall apart when he got in the football game. But that was a great evaluation by this coaching staff. Like he was a three-star recruit, um, didn't have a huge offer list, was part of a really – was part of a really good high school program in Duncanville that's been in the state playoffs and in the state championship game multiple years in a row. That was just uh, something that caught my eye. Because, you know, Colton Deary was running with the ones a lot during fall camp when John Lands was out. Um, Ezra dotson Atade was a guy that's experienced from Arizona State. You know, Garrett Hayes has been in the program for a long time. But Ben was the guy they trusted in that moment to come in and do the job and get it done uh, when they needed some help. So that is that was intriguing to me. Another thing from the football game, um, that I've just sort of been thinking about. And Jamie Plunkett had a good piece about this on Horn Frog Blitz, the 247 network. He talked about Chandler Morris uses his legs really well on third down and did that especially well against Houston. Um, and he talked about part of that is that TCU has been in a lot of third and long situations. And so he broke it down. This year they're 43rd in the country. Again, this is from Jamie Plunkett. Uh, he also does the Frogs Insider podcast. 20 to 44, 45.5%. Uh, they're nine of fifteen on third and three at less. They're two of seven on third uh, third down between four and six yards, and ten of twenty-two on third and seven and more. So twenty-two of those forty-five first third downs have been you know third down and seven or longer, um, and that's that's not great, right? Like this offense, it, it's just it, it's hard to articulate it, but it seems a little disjointed at times. They're, they don't always do a good job of staying on schedule. They've done a nice job of creating explosive plays. They've had some drives where they've just quickly gotten down the field and scored and didn't even really face like hardly any third downs. Um, but they have to do a better job on first and second down of creating third and manageable. 
And that third and, you know, four through six, like that down in distance, that has to get better. Two of seven on the year. Um, and it's good to have data to back that up because that was something that watching them Saturday, like had a couple like third and six situations. And I thought, man, they have not been super effective in these situations this year, which is something I thought they would do well this season um, since Kendall Browse did such a nice job in the inter- intermediate passing game at Arkansas. And they have so many guys like at the slot position, at the tight end position that you would think would be perfect for those situations. So need to get more efficient on third down in general. But part of that is staying out of third and longs. And that's I mean, that's a key for any offense. And that's something TCU is going to have to work on as the year goes on. When we come back, our Big 12 whoop around. We'll look around the league, see what's going on, uh, the other results that happen um, around the Big 12. We'll do that next here on Lockdown Horn Prox. This episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy. Um, if you need mental health resources, if you need counseling, if you need therapy, BetterHelp is a great place to start. You know, I've personally gotten – some treatment for anxiety in my life has been really helpful. Um, my two oldest children, are, are, we have them enrolled in counseling. Um, they have some trauma in their past from, from being in foster care, and it's been great for them. It's been great for my family and, and our relationships as a whole uh, to have those resources. And it can be tough to find, like, where's the best place to start? You know, who can I trust? Uh, what kind of help do I need? And so BetterHelp is a great place to start because they have a, a quick questionnaire um, it's entirely online. You fill out the questionnaire that will match you with someone um, who can give you the best help. And it's convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. Uh, so if you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. Again, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Um, get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash college today, and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnCollege. Get 10% off uh, your first month. Don't let this continue to be something that you just, you know, think, oh, well, I I don't have the resource I need. I don't have the help I need. Get started today with BetterHelp Therapy. It's all online. It's convenient. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege, 10% off your first month. So looking around the rest of the Big 12, as uh, non-conference play is wrapping up, TCU and Houston, the only two teams that have played conference games so far. Um, TCU has a non-conference game. They finish out their slate against SMU. I think everybody else is starting Big 12 play this week, but we'll take a look at what happened last week. Um, and we'll start with uh, with um, Texas. You know, they're coming off a big win against Alabama the week before Alabama goes to South Florida. They really struggle. Uh, Texas comes back home and they take on Wyoming. They win that game 31 to 10. Now this was a a close football game um, for the majority of it. Like it was tied at 10 uh, in late in the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, the game was tied at 10. Texas had a 10, seven lead for most of the first half. Wyoming got off to a quick start. They had a long touchdown run, take a seven, nothing advantage. Wyoming beat uh, Texas tech in Laramie earlier this year. Their defense is pretty solid, but Quinn Ewers did not have a great night. 11 of 21 for 131 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Did have uh, almost interception in the red zone, but Wyoming couldn't quite capitalize on the mistake he made. Jonathan Brooks was great on the ground, though. 21 carries for 164 yards. Uh, Xavier Worthy was held in check for the most part, but had a big touchdown catch in the early in the fourth quarter of that game to give Texas a lead back. And then uh, they never really looked back from there, and their defense was outstanding all night. And so they get to 3-0. They continue to win ball games. 
They unfortunately look like the class of the Big 12 at the moment. Uh, Missouri, they take down Kansas State. The Wildcats lose one 30-27. Crazy ending to this game. So Missouri's yeah. driving. The game was tied at 27. Missouri is driving down the field. They're in K-State territory. Um, they had just gotten a first down. They didn't have any timeouts left. And so they spiked the ball. And when they spiked the ball, there were six seconds left. And so they had the chance to maybe run one more play or kick a long field goal. It would have been a 55-yarder. Um, but Eli Durkowitz and the coaching staff didn't realize or there was some miscommunication. They thought there was a timeout on the field. There wasn't. They just spiked the ball. And after they spiked the ball, their team came over to the sidelines, you know, to meet. But they got a delayed game penalty because they never got back out on the field to snap the football. And it set up a situation where they had to kick a 60-yard field goal um, at the buzzer to win it, and Mizzou knocked it down. Um, it was a, a walk-off field goal uh, to, to win it. Actually, a 61. So a 61-yard field goal to end that football game. Um, just an outstanding job uh, by Harrison Nevins, Mizzou kicker, who's a really good kicker. Um, and, man, what a win for Missouri. Like, that was they, – they've been kind of – they've been in the SEC for a while now. They've been one of those schools – that is just sort of forgotten about, um, I, I think, because they've been mediocre for the past few years. But that's a signature win against K-State. And I still think K-State's really good. Uh, that was a game they could have won. But, you know, they lost a lot this offseason. And so they're also making some adjustments and trying to get used to uh, some new players at the skill positions and on defense. And they couldn't overcome some mistakes against Missouri, and they lose that football game. Oklahoma beats Tulsa 66-17. Sooners look good, man. Dylan Gabriel had five touchdown passes, but the thing that's impressed me about OU is their defense. Uh, they didn't give up any points to Arkansas State, which I know you would expect that. They gave up 11 points to SMU um, and then held Tulsa to 17. So, yeah, they haven't faced great competition yet, but they're taking care of business, and their defense has been salty all year long, and that was a huge weak spot for Brett Venable's squad last year. And so just the fact that they've improved that significantly um, is a big deal. Uh, Baylor beats Long Island 30-7 to to get their first win of the season. Not a super impressive effort by the Bears, but they got it done. Um, they play Texas this week at home. It's going to be a tough one for them. Blake Shapin is still out with an ankle injury. Not sure what his status is for this week, but Sawyer Robertson, which is the name Frog fans will probably know because TC was involved in his recruitment when he hit the transfer portal from Mississippi State. Uh, he was the guy. He's been the guy the last few weeks against Utah and against Long Island. But Bears do get a victory. It was a weird game. Um, they had a lightning delay. Like the game got to halftime, then there was a, a big long lightning delay. I think two hours before they took the field again. And once they did, both teams kind of slip walk through the second half. But Baylor defense held Long Island to seven points. They get a victory against a team that they should beat, uh, and they move to one and two on the season. Iowa State, whew, they lose to Ohio 10-7. to seven. Now, Ohio is, you know, a pretty good program in a group of five, but Iowa State's just struggling. Matt Campbell, uh, good coach, but it's not working for him this year. Obviously, they had, you know, the Hunter Decker suspension. They're missing – a lot of firepower on offense, and it showed in that loss to the Bobcats. Again, 10-7, your final there. UCF, they beat Villanova 48-14. to uh, The Knights look good. They haven't really played great competition, but they're winning their games. They're 3-0. and They beat Boise State on the road last week, which was impressive. Um, and they come back and they handle Villanova easily. And so uh, that's, that's kind of a wild card team in the Big 12 this year. We talked about how it's going to be hard for everybody stepping up to a new conference. 
but UCF looks the part. I mean, they got athletes, they got dudes, uh, and they're winning games. They're they're three and zero now in the season as they get ready for conference play. Cincinnati, after beating Pitt the week before, they fall to Miami of Ohio, thirty one to twenty four. You know, I thought this would be a tough year for them. Um, stepping up to Big Twelve, you also lose Luke Fickle to Wisconsin, and Scott Satterfield comes in, and he's now the guy there. Uh, so I think it's going to be a tough year for Cincinnati, and they dropped their first kind of head-scratching loss of the season with a loss to Miami of Ohio. Speaking of head-scratching losses, South Alabama, um, which is a good Sun Belt team, they just dominate Oklahoma State at home. 33-7 to was your final score. Oklahoma State uh, was rotating three quarterbacks in. Again, um, Alan Bowman, Garrett Rangel, and Gunnar Gundy, uh, and – the offense was just atrocious Saturday night. And then they had a drive where Gundy led them for a touchdown drive, and I think it was 26-7, and that was like the the first touchdown drive of the game for Oklahoma State. And then they put um, Wrangle in there. So I, I don't know what's going on with their quarterback rotation, uh, but that was that was a rough game in Stillwater for the Pokes. They fall to South Alabama again, 33-7. Tech beats Tarleton State 41-3. Uh, Joe McGuire gets his first one of the season – against Tarleton State. They take care of business against an FCS school. Um, BYU beats Arkansas in Fayetteville, 38-31. Really impressive win for the Cougars. They got down 14-0 in that game. Looked like Arkansas was going to run away with it. BYU hung in there, though, um, did their job. Keaton Slovis and that offense looked effective down the stretch, and they get a win. Kansas, they escape uh, what would have been an embarrassing loss Against Nevada, they win 31 to 24. You know, KU had a super impressive win against Illinois last Friday, and everybody was kind of hyping them up. And then they go and just sort of lay an egg against Nevada, but they do end up getting a victory 31 24, and they are now 3 0 on the season. And then uh, maybe the result that piqued my interest the most West Virginia beats Pitt 17 to 6. Now, Cincinnati beat Pitt, and then they turn around and lose to Miami, Ohio. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but West Virginia, a lot of people have picked them to be the worst team in the Big 12 this year. They do get a victory. Pitt's quarterback situation is horrible. The West Virginia defense did a nice job taking advantage of that. The Mountaineers do one thing well, though. They can run the ball. C.J. Donaldson's still there. They have an offensive line that's super experienced. They returned all five starters from last season. Donaldson had 18 carries, 102 yards, and one touchdown. Um, and they weren't even trying to throw the football. Like Neil Brown – he, he wasn't out there throwing the ball. Uh, they had 11 passing attempts on the night. So uh, they know what they do well. Now, I feel like I feel good about that game because it's going to be at home and because Pittsburgh's offense is obviously just atrocious. And so they found themselves in kind of a, a ground and pound situation with the West Virginia team that is probably going to try to do that to everybody. But um, it was just interesting to me that they got a victory. I know that a lot of people are not high on the Mountaineers this year. They did go beat Pitt, though. 17 to 6. Your final score on that one. When we come back, we'll do a brief kind of preview of uh, it's Iron Skillet Week, man. We got SMU coming to town. So we'll talk about that next. It's Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. Athletic Brewing Company. Um, they have, you see on the screen here, if you're watching on YouTube, athleticbrewing.com, non alcoholic drinks, uh, really good non alcoholic brews. So whether you want to watch a game, if you're just chilling at the house, Athletic Brewing Company, they have completely changed the non-alcoholic beverage game. It's time for our Game Changer of the Week segment, our Game Changer of the Week this week. Um, it's Paula Lawale. Paula Lawale had two sacks on the day. 
He led a defensive line for TCU that had six sacks on the night, a defense that held the Cougars to uh, zero offensive touchdowns and only six points offensively. Donovan Smith and that offense, they held him in check. So, Paul Wally, it's your game changer of the week. That's brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. They might non-alcoholic brews that actually taste good, full flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. Their brews are great-tasting and award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. Um, so whether you're watching a big game, working out, uh, tackling work, you can have some of these athletic brewing company drinks. You can find them in store, online, or at bars across the country. They're the fastest-growing non-alcoholic beverage in the U.S., so get on board. Uh, first-time customers can use the code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewingcompany.com. Exclusions, conditions do apply. Athletic Brewing Company, they are fit for all times. It's Iron Skillet Week, man. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what the coverage is like for the game this week because last season there was a lot of talk about it. It was Sonny Dykes returning to Dallas. It was a big deal, um, and I know people will be more interested in this game because it's ending soon. It's going to pause after the 2025 season, but it's a huge week for matchups in college football. Um, Oregon and Colorado are playing each other. Colorado's 3-0, by the way. They escaped a tough game against Colorado State. Um, Ole Miss and Alabama are facing off. Ohio State and Notre Dame. I believe Iowa and Penn State are playing each other in the Big Ten. So it's a big week for college football matchups, and this will be, you know, an 11 a.m. game against SMU. But I do wonder with the added kind of subplot of this series ending soon, um, what the national coverage is going to look like this week. But SMU, tough opponent, right? It's always it's always a game. It's Iron Skillet week. They're always going to bring, you know, their best football game. The thing that has stood out to me, and, and we're going to do a deeper dive on SMU um, as the week goes on, but what stood out to me about this this SMU team, they look better defensively. Now, I mentioned that Oklahoma game earlier. They lost that football game, but it was 28-11. to 11. It was 14-11 to 11 going in the fourth quarter. They largely held that um, Oklahoma offense in check. And so this season, uh, the Ponies have beaten La Tech 38-14. They lose to Oklahoma on the road 28-11. to 11. And they beat Prairie View A&M on Saturday, 69 to nothing in their uh, FCS opponent game. Um, but the defense for SMU looks better. You know, they had Dylan Gabriel kind of flustered at times. Ultimately, Oklahoma had a few long drives in the second half to salt that football game away. But, you know, the two times that SMU has beaten TCU recently, back in 2019, Frogs didn't really have a quarterback. They were still shuffling between Max Duggan as a true freshman and Alex Delton, the experienced guy from K-State. Um, SMU had Shane Bouchel, and they got out to a fast start, and then TCU was playing catch-up all day. They couldn't really recover. Uh, and then in 2021, you know, they kind of ran all over the Frogs' defense, and Tanner Mordecai had a nice day throwing the ball. Um, and so now SMU's quarterback is Preston Stone, right? Tanner Mordecai has transferred out. Preston Stone steps in. He's the guy. Um, he was highly recruited out of high school. He's having a nice season so far. And their leading receiver at the moment is Jake Bailey, has 136 yards receiving. Um, Jordan Hudson has 109 yards receiving on five catches. Roger Daniels from Duncanville, 105 yards receiving on five catches. So they've kind of spread the ball around. 
Um, LJ Johnson is their leading running back. He's got 153 yards on 27 carries. Jalen Knight actually has more carries. He's got 32 carries and 140 yards. So typical SMU. They got skill guys, right? Like they got guys on the outside uh, at the receiver position and at running back who can play. And that's like that's always going to be the case with uh, with the ponies. Really starting with June Jones to Chad Morris to Sonny and now to Rhett Lashley. They're going to have guys on the offensive side of the ball. The, the curious thing to me is going to be how good is that defensive front because it looks improved for SMU, and that's something that they haven't really been able to stand up against You know, when they play bigger competition um, in recent years. And so that to me is the key. Can TCU up front kind of bully them and control the game? Um, it's at home. It's hopefully a game. The Frogs coming back home after a few wins. They're feeling better about themselves, have a lot of confidence. And I think it's a game that they're going to be locked in for because – there's a lot of emotions for, for Sonny and his coaching staff, you know, facing their former employer. And we know about how that ended, uh, at least in SMU fans' eyes, how that ended poorly um, for him and, and how they view him. And so I think this team's going to be ready to rock. But, yeah, tough game against SMU, rivalry game, Iron Skillet week. We'll have coverage of it all week long. It's Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day.